from the front lines to our national movement building show and we're very happy to be talking to almost any second now state senator Maria Elena Durazo also old friend Maria Elena Durazo we're also later going to speak to Lolita Yedo at the Filipino Workers Center and Lee Plaza at Home Care Worker uh, there's two important numbers you need to know one is 1257. The other number is 916-445-2841. is the name of the terrific Senate bill that Maria Elena Durazo has initiated and has passed both houses. 916-445-2841 is the number of Governor Gavin Newsom, who has not yet signed the bill and must sign it into law, and we're going to spend, you know how you always hear 818-985-5735 for the, you're going to hear 916-445-2841 every three minutes. And we want to try to get 100 voices, listeners, to call the governor in this hour. So with that, Maria Elena Durazo, State Senator Maria Elena Durazo, how are you doing? Hi, Eric. Oh, it's been so long. It's, it's great to be on this program with you. Thanks. Sure. After we get through business, we can do some reminiscing. And so happy to be with you. You know, I was just, I just wrote here, I don't know if you saw it. It says, Chisme Alert. Back in the day, 1989, four friends worked together. Maria Elena Durazo, who had just in historic fight, was elected president of Hotel Restaurant Workers, Local 11. Now, City Councilman Gil Cedillo was a staff yep. person at Local 660. Uh-huh. At SEIU, Antonio Villaragosa was an organizer for UTOA, <laughs> <laughs> and Eric Mann was just beginning director of the Labor Community Strategy Center. Pretty good, huh? From 1989. That's great. That's a great headline there. Great topic. What 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 a what a group of people. Yep. Yeah. And that's just and that's just sort of just four of us. There were. Lots of others out there. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's pretty cool. That's what I love the most uh, of what's happened in Los Angeles is 
back in the day and before that, you remember there were probably at most a handful of organizations doing or real organizing on different fronts, and it's just grown uh, tremendously. So that's one thing that I'm very proud of, of Los Angeles. Uh, uh, what is it saying? Um, sow the seeds, right? No kidding, uh, and we want to still stay around, though. So, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we ain't go nowhere. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Me neither. Sacramento, sometimes, you know. But so let's start with this amazing bill because I, it's very hard to initiate a bill. I believe it started in the assembly and then went back to the Senate. Uh, how did you get it through both houses? And tell our listeners, I have it in writing, but tell them what is this bill about? We know it's about, by the way occupation and safety and health benefits and rights for domestic workers. But tell us a little bit about what drove you, how you came up with this concept, of course, who you work with, what the bill is saying, and then we're going to keep asking people to call. I'm serious. Write this down. 916-445-2841. I already called Governor Newsom, by the way, and an actual person picked up. I just said I'm calling on behalf of 1257. I'm urging a yes vote. And they said, thank you very much. So everybody try to yes. do that. Yes. So thank go you. ahead, Maria. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, you know, it was um, probably five, six years ago. I'm trying to think the exact year. Uh, I was um, uh, still at the uh, LA Fed and LA Federation. And we worked really hard to pass the first Bill of Rights for domestic workers. Right. And uh, that became the, the start of... Um, making sure that they qualified and were treated the same as everyone else when it came to minimum wage and overtime and those wage and hour, uh, state wage and hour protections. But just going, just to deviate a little bit, Eric, you know, domestic workers like farm workers, for pure racist reasons, were two of the groups that were excluded from all federal and state uh, labor laws, any kind of workplace protection, because they were African-American. That's right. They were the black. They were the blacks who worked in fields. They were the black women who worked in, in the homes, you know, the nannies, the housekeepers. Um, and so they didn't want, uh, they didn't want uh, blacks to have labor rights. Um, and that carried over. That exclusion from health and safety, wage and hour, the right to unionize, to this day exists in uh, almost every part of the country, certainly on the federal level. So California is ahead when it comes to farm worker rights to organize and minimum wage. Uh, we broke through on the domestic workers. So this bill, which did start with me, it's my bill in the state Senate, uh, is meant to cover domestic workers under CalOSHA, the California Occupational Safety and Health Act, and it requires employers to meet standards of health and safe working conditions in the homes, in the private homes. Um, and to, to tell you the truth, Eric, um, this is what got, um, you know, discombobulated a number of members. Uh, it wasn't like... Uh, the California Chamber of Commerce coming down on everybody and saying, don't vote for this, or some other big business trade association. It was this uh, personal sense of, well, you know, I don't, you know, they want to have this control in their home. And, and yet when it comes to um, ordering that uh, domestic worker, 
when to come in, how many hours, what to do. They're employees. That's They're exactly not right. Members. That's They're exactly employees. right. So they, they, on the one hand, you know, most people like to say, oh, yeah, I treat my domestic worker really well. But on the other hand, they get nervous when it becomes an official, formal relationship as an employer to an employee. Well, also because the uh, the homeowner or the person in the home, they determine in their mind that they're treating the domestic worker well, as they say. But now the domestic worker is saying, no, if you don't mind, I would like to determine whether or not I'm being treated well and I need specifically enumerated rights. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So a lot of the pushback was, well, this is my personal home. How are, you know, how is this going to work? Am I going to get, you know, are all these inspectors going to come in out of nowhere and just barge into my home? That was the conversation. And uh, we had to say, no, this is an employer-employee relationship. Uh, It's complaint-driven. If there's an issue, uh, someone will go out. If you can't take care of it over the phone or through a letter, then somebody will uh, have to go out and investigate. But it's not like they're going to be, you know, walking around your bedroom and bathroom, you know, just for the hell of it. They're in there for a specific reason that they were called. I would say, you know, just off the top, the overwhelming majority of these issues are going to be dealt with without anybody having to go, uh, you know, from Kalosha having to go to their homes. What sort of triggered this, Eric, was, uh, again, was the the continuous fires every year, that these domestic workers were being asked to come in and stay and take care of pets when, when... you know, local government was telling everybody, you got to evacuate or, you know, help us uh, water down this uh, uh, house because the fire is coming or the next day coming in with ash all over and toxic uh, in the air, particles in the air and saying, come in and help clean without giving them any kind of protective equipment. So that really sort of raised the consciousness to another level. And it was great to have those stories in the media. Well, two questions. Uh, one is that, a, or a statement and a question. The first is that, as you said, it's complaint-driven. Uh, the domestic worker has to still file a complaint with Cal OSHA and has to document it. And then uh, one thing people don't realize is it's very intimidating. If you make a complaint against an employer, this is a, a very intimidating thing to do. I actually called when I was in un- I was in an ununionized place at one point at IBM, and we uh-huh. called OSHA because we were working with all these chemicals. When OSHA came, I was frightened because the company yeah. was looking at everyone like, who called OSHA, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. what I'm getting to is it's going to take courage for domestic yeah. workers to even exercise this right. But how tragic, and then on the other hand, how wonderful that they finally have some rights, and they can say to an employer, well, I could call Cal OSHA, but wouldn't you rather just sit down now? <laughs> and I think having you know, that, right, having that in yeah. their hand would yeah. be would and, resolve so many of these issues. Yeah, and, and, and actually, you know, the, the, um, the organizers um, and the domestic workers themselves are really going to try to use this um, sort of flipping that which is to reach out to homeowners in a positive way before there's an issue, before there's a problem. Right. And the bill calls for 
an advisory committee that's going to be made up of uh, uh, employers, homeowners, and domestic workers to actually figure out what is it in the household that we should watch out for. What are the guidelines that we should have? Because they're not going to have the same guidelines as IBM shop or right. you know a, the farm worker fields or a restaurant. Uh, it's it's different depending on the setting. Uh, so we actually set up. Uh, this will set up a a committee, and um, they'll talk through what are the potential risks. And then there are some uh, organizations of homeowners who are very supportive of this. And they um, will work with them to get, you know, come up with the guidelines and then get that out to homeowners. And, and that is that will open the door for the conversation instead of waiting for a problem or a complaint. And then, like you said, the domestic worker might be afraid and, and then the homeowner doesn't know how to handle it. So um, this will the best way of using this law is very preventative outreach, education, conversation, and, and, and then there'll be those homeowners that are just mean and don't want to treat their uh, domestic workers fairly, and that's a whole different, you know, group of people. Well, just for a second, the voice you're hearing is State Senator Maria Elena Durazo, who's introduced a bill that's passed both houses, both houses of this California legislature called SB, Senate Bill 1257. The bill is in front of Governor Gavin Newsom right now. We want you to call 916-445-2841. I'm going to repeat it because you can write it down and still listen to the show. 916-445-2841. I have a statement of question. Um, the statement is that by having Cal OSHA and setting a, a, a high bar in the good sense, it in some way benefits the the good employers and penalizes the bad ones because it sets a standard and it, it, again, takes it out of the personal relationship into that this is what's mandated, just do what's mandated. So I think that's great. My question is, is there any concern, obviously we're going to do a lot, that Go- Governor Newsom would not sign this? Oh, yeah, there's, there's always concern. Unless you're, you know, sometimes... Um, the governor will signal, you know, through public statements or through press events or whatever, or privately, that, you know, they're, you know, already willing to do this. Uh, that's a very rare circumstances. Uh, you always have to assume that he may not sign it. And so we have to reach out to him. We have to tell him. By the way, as I mentioned earlier, there's no organizational opposition to this. No organizational opposition. This is a matter of, I would especially urge, Eric, homeowners to say, I support this. I think it's a good thing for us to learn how to have a safer workplace for our domestic workers. That would really, um, that would be very helpful. Um, And again, make sure you, as you said, uh, give the number because there is another um, uh, uh, domestic workers um, uh, Legislation. We don't want it to get it confused. This is the Cal OSHA twelve fifty seven. So make sure we we um, we explicitly call it SB twelve fifty seven. Yeah, and one thing on that uh, SB twelve fifty seven. The the number again of the governor is nine one six four four five 
2841. Uh, I remember saying you're, you're calling on behalf of and in full support of 1257. My wife, Leanne, is working with Hand in Hand, so she's working with employers, and we're going to have them call as well. I think what you're saying is really important is the movement makes a lot of mistakes. And one of them is overconfidence or dropping the guard down. I mean, Governor Newsom still needs to hear from people, you know, and he'll say to you, well, what do you want from me? I didn't get any response, which isn't true, but you know what I'm trying to say. We yes, should not assume exactly right. we should not assume that he's a good guy. He is a good guy, but we should not assume that we don't have to organize because it passed both houses. That's what Marilena Durazo is saying, that the more opportunity there is, the more you organize, the harder you organize to get, because imagine how great this would be to actually have a signed and a real victory for organizing and for, yes, for, and for the black workers who were excluded as, as early as the 1930s, unfortunately, and all That's the right. fights that we've had ever since. This is terrific. Um, I'm and to, hoping... And, to, and Eric, to formalize, you know, the, the rights that men and women should have... Um, that's always been part of the struggle. It's similar to incorporating undocumented into the safety net system. You know, we keep pushing and saying they're not different. Don't give them some charity on the side. They are working men and women. You know, they, they get paid. They, they pay taxes. They, their kids go to school. All those sorts of things, sales tax. Don't isolate them. Don't separate them out from the official uh, system that we have treat them exactly the same as everyone else. And that's, that's really important so that the workers themselves don't feel that they're any less than anybody else, that they deserve less, uh, that they, it's okay to treat them, uh, to, to let them work in, in dangerous conditions. They have to be incorporated into the formal uh, economic and legal system of, of the state. And this is totally relevant in regard to the 2020 presidential elections, where this conversation is going to be going on over and over and over again. So asserting the humanity of women, documented and undocumented, and home care workers, and pretty terrific. Do you have just a minute more? I just want to get Lolita Yedo, and who's the director of the Filipino Workers' Center, and Lee Plaza, who's a home care worker. Lolita and Lee, are you on the, on the line with... Marilena Durazo and Eric Mann? Yes. Yes, sir. And who am I talking to? Who is that? I am Lolita Liedo. Okay, great. Um, have you been working on this bill? Yeah, so uh, we started uh, campaigning this uh, for this year. Uh, I think we started January of uh, 2020, and then the COVID-19 came. And so we we really wanted this bill SB twelve fifty seven to be uh, to be approved and signed by Governor uh, Newsom and become a law and uh, to include all the domestic workers, uh, including the, uh, all the like the home care workers or caregivers, nannies, and uh, housekeepers, because it's really very very important. Like for example, right now. Uh, our members, uh, the Filipino Workers Center, our base is mostly uh, home care workers or caregivers, and we are directly hit by this uh, by this pandemic. And uh, uh, like around when the when the COVID nineteen started, uh, there's a lot of uh, caregivers 
or home care workers who lost their job and others were infected by coronavirus and we have already four members who died because we're not protected like uh we do not have any PPE or the like the gowns the masks the gloves everything that can protect you and most of our members were also working in facilities which is also one of the hardest hit uh groups of uh like the businesses the small uh burden care and also those that are like the assisted living so we felt uh we felt that we need mm-hmm. to be included uh this uh, osha protections also is a very important right that we have why you see that amongst the different workers uh, we are not included uh, in this labor law so that's what uh, we we are supporting and wanting and wanted to uh to to talk to the, i mean to lobby and explain to the assembly members the senators to approve this because it is very very important for the survival of our members of the domestic workers and uh hold on look, let me have, hold on just a second it sounds great I mean, one of the things that you're pointing out, and Marilena, you can say hello to Lolita, and then you can move on to your next battle. Is that okay? Um, sure. Hi, hi, Lolita. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that you you just pointed out, Lolita, is that you know people just think of the house as one place, but all the home care workers are under some of the worst difficulties because sometimes there's many people in the home. There's who are exposed yeah. to COVID-19. They're often taking care of lower-income people, right, who don't have all the opportunities to take care of all the things, and they have to go into work at an extreme level, as you're telling me, of yeah. phenomenal danger. Yes, yeah. it's very dangerous, especially... Uh, the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, uh, the high-risk population are the elderly. And so these are the group of people that the home care workers are serving and protecting, also and taking care of. So you are exposed, but we are not considered as frontline workers. It's only those that are home care workers working in uh, hospitals are considered essential workers. But the caregivers and the domestic workers, other domestic workers, are not included in these essential workers. But we are uh, on a very high risk of being also infected. What's it like? Are you? Uh, do you do the work directly? Hmm? Can you say it? Again? Are you? Are you? You're not a home care worker at this moment, are you? No. I am. I am an organizer. Right. Right. So you're organizing, what I'm saying is you're organizing other home care workers. Are they fighting off depression and fear as well? Yeah, and then most of them, uh, I've talked to them, and the problem is like they do not, the one that's really actively recruiting home care workers are those that are uh, the, the facilities, the elderly facilities, because they don't have any more, uh, home care workers or caregivers to to most of them already do not want to work because of this like in the early part of uh, the COVID we do not know 
there is no access to mass uh, testing, so you do not know if you're infected. And once they, the facility employers would say that, oh, you need to, you need to go home and do uh, and uh, do a quarantine, self isolate because you are exposed to the one of the uh, patients here have uh, already tested positive for coronavirus. So, and then these workers are mostly undocumented also, and they're supporting their families back home in the Philippines. And then they also share their own, uh, they share their apartment. There's no place for you to self-isolate yourself. So they would ask us, what do we do? Uh, At that time, uh, there's no medical shelter yet. Government has not really responded immediately. So, uh, so we have this group of workers that uh, are ex- were exposed to coronavirus, and they needed a place where they can uh, self-isolate. And this is where the PWC or the Filipino Workers Center responded in the ground that we rented Airbnb and other places so we can put them there. And what? that's always the, the, there's even one member of us, a home care worker. Who a caregiver because the, her, his roommates do not want him to enter the apartment because of course it's it's uh, they do not want to be infected they do not want him and so he said where do I go and uh, out of uh, like you know panic and everything no one has no money to go to the hotel he just pitched he just built up a, a tent outside the apartment and he said I mean they do not want to to go for me to go inside because of the fear of being infected. So I'll just stay here. So it's really very um, pathetic that you have all these workers and they don't know where to go. And we responded in each Well, Marilena, I want you to jump in if you could. And then also, Lolita, I want to respond well, but I would like Marilena to just respond because obviously the work she's doing and the work you're doing are two sides of the same movement. Uh, Madalena, any thoughts you have, and then yes. I, I'll come in. Well, let me just say, this bill um, uh, for um, health and safety for domestic workers would not have moved forward without the organizing of Lolita and other um, uh, men and women uh, who are organizing domestic workers. Uh, their message, uh, you know, was heard, their activity, uh, actions, everything that they did has been at the core of getting this legislation passed. And so they're the heroes, um, sheroes and heroes of, of this movement. And we just have, you know, they're going to keep on going forward uh, with it. And, and that's what, you know, you know, Eric, as, a, as the organizers, uh, there's nothing more satisfying than when men and women stand up, they realize the courage that they have, they realize that they have this enormous personal power, and they use it collectively uh, to get what they deserve. These workers aren't asking for a handout. These men and women are just saying, hey, treat me the same, and I'll take care of it myself. I'll take care (laughs) of it. And if I have a, you know, if I have a real problem, I'll call Cal OSHA. But basically, they're saying, we just want to have the rights to assert, and we'll, we'll assert them. And then when we need you, we'll call Kalosha as a backup. 
So that's what makes me proud, and that's what um, I find so uh, satisfying and, um, you know, just uh, that's, that's the impactful. And so I, I, I want to thank all these men and women, thank the organizers, thank the organizations, Hands in Hands, and other employers for, for what they're doing uh, to raise this consciousness. And uh, if everyone does what you're asking them to do, Eric, then the governor has no choice but to pass it. So let's just keep at it. We've, we've you know, uh, every, every moment, every day, every hour, we should have someone calling, you know, groups of people calling, and uh, that's going to have a big impact. And as one organizer to another, I just want to tell you that on, on September 24th, we're going to the MTA to ask, you know, for free public transportation and expansion of bus service because the same domestic workers can't even get to work, you know, or can't even afford the fare. So yeah. every single element of the lives right. of the oppressed is is being falling apart in some way. And as organizers, our job is to put it together. So I will be in touch with both of you on that. But today, let's make sure SB, uh, now I want it, 1257, right? Did I get it right? 1257. Mm -hmm. So let's try it again. Uh, We're going to call Governor Newsom. And as Manalina said, uh, the fact that there's no organized opposition, we need organized support. We want not just for him to vaguely support it. We want him to say, you really turned out your people. Because they count, right? I mean, they yep. see, uh, in some ways, it's a test of, you know, the California Domestic Workers Coalition. It's a test of the strategy center. It's a test of voices from the front lines, this radio show. It means a lot. You don't understand. There's people in the office who count. There's people in the office yep. who tell them it's kind of weak. Or they tell them, my God, the phone's, you know, going off the hook, and they know what they're talking about. So That's this right. is the biggest thing you need to do is call the, the governor. Marilena, thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll stay in touch. And if okay. it's okay, Lolita, we'll continue the conversation. If you could stay with us. Uh, yeah. D'Angelo, we're just going to take a, a brief break, if that's okay. And you'll be back on Voices from the Frontlines, 98.7 FM. You're on KPFK uh, in Los Angeles. And let's take a break. might seem like a small amount, but when you sign up as a KPFK Sustainer Circle member, that $10 helps to pay for daily broadcasts of Democracy Now!, Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott, and all of the news and information you hear on KPFK, including on my own show, Rising Up with Sonali. You get a lot for your monthly contribution, and we need that gift right now to keep bringing you all the programs you count on. $10 makes a big impact. We combine it with contributions from your fellow listeners who rely on KPFK as much as you do. Public Radio only works with you. Contribute now. Go to kpfk.org support. Then click Sustainer Circle. Whatever you can do, please do. Welcome back to Voices from the Frontlines. We were just talking to Mar- Maria Elena Drazo. Uh, state senator about SB 1257, uh, OSHA rights for domestic workers. And as we've been repeating over and over, we are making a big effort of Voices listeners to get on the phone right now and call the governor 
to urge him to support and sign this bill. His number is 916-445-2841. And with that, we're going to continue our conversation. We're in conversation right now with uh, Lolita Yedo, who is the director of the Filipino Workers Center. Thanks, Lolita. Thank you for staying with us. It must be very difficult when you're trying to pass a bill, and you know that the bill is only one tool in the arsenal of domestic workers who are suffering under so many different kind of simultaneous assaults. How have you gotten the workers to feel enthusiastic about this bill? How have you organized them to, you know, I I know you were involved in both the Assembly and the Senate and... Uh, testifying remotely. What's it been like trying to organize uh, home care workers, domestic workers, on behalf of a bill in Sacramento? Well, so we did uh, like a virtual online uh, lobbying. Uh, We trained our leaders uh, and members uh, to, you know, to speak to the staff or to the legislator and, uh, yeah, and then uh, we rehearse, and then they, the, the domestic workers uh, knew that this bill is very import, important for all of us, for their survival, because we are, like, we're facing a very dangerous uh, pandemic that can uh, can kill us. And if you do not have any protection, then uh, it's just like half of your uh, body will be, like, uh, will be that di- will be will die like those home care workers that I talk they do not really want to go back to work until uh, like we do not have any vaccine yet because of their exposure but you know uh, reality in reality we really need to work because uh, otherwise we will have we do not have any money to pay our rent uh, or our utilities or just uh, for our survival, buy food, and also uh, send our money, send money back to the Philippines for their families also to survive. So they told me that it was really hard because, for example, they had to go to the place of work, uh, to the facility. They had to ride the bus. Uh, subway, bus, so there's a lot of exposure also for them to get the virus. So if they uh, don't have even any uh, gowns or gloves or masks and everything, uh, before they go to the facility, they may be also be infected and sent oh away God. again for the and sent away again for uh, for self isolation. And then when you do your self-isolation, you do not, you, you do not have any, any wage or any salary. So you're losing your income. So it's really very hard. That's why um, everyone, there's no question. We really need to push for this uh, bill to become a law because this is our survival and our future. Like we do not know how many pandemics will still be uh, coming to us and also the wildfires uh, in, in California. It started because it's already summer. I mean, there's a raging wildfire in the north. And we have also experienced that uh, here in Southern California last year when the in the Malibu area, 
the the domestic workers, the housekeepers, were all uh, even there's a raging wildfire. The employers wanted the housekeepers and domestic workers to still report to be able to secure their homes, and that is really very uh, sad. Because how about our lives? Domestic workers' lives also matter. Like you, uh, you are all safely evacuated, but we are still told to go to go to the to the to your houses to to guard it. You know, and well, even there's one caregiver, Filipino caregiver, two years ago, who died uh, because she can. She uh, there's like a five. Uh, at the back of the house because they live they live in the mountains, and then uh, she can she can save her life by just uh, running, but she cannot afford to leave uh, her the patient her client uh, who is uh, already old like around ninety. So what she did is she they just both went to the restroom and then they were burned. She died. When in fact, this is how committed the domestic workers are, are. Like you would give your life for your for your client, and we always remember them because it is so sad. Like I mean, she cannot. Uh, her relatives were asking, "Why did she not run and get out of the house?" I think if you were also. Uh, in her place, it will not be, uh, you cannot accept that you saved yourself, but you did not protect your client or your your patient because they're also part of your, I mean, you know, day in and day out, 24 hours she did with her. So it's so also hard. So they, she just chose to also die. So, but if we have all these protections already, uh, the domestic workers are included. They can have fire extinguisher, you know, and all those things until she evacuated. But there's none. So I think it is also very, very important that domestic workers, home care workers, nannies, uh, housekeepers are also included in OSHA protection. Uh, that was amazing. I'm going to come back and, of course, respond to that. But I just thought of something. I'd like our listeners to call 818-985-5735, but only if you first called 916-445-2841. We did a show once about Standing Rock, and we said the only people who could call in were people that already gave to Standing Rock or helped. We got a lot of callers. Please call 916-445-2841. Say you want support for Senate Bill 1257, and then call 818-985-5735, that's KPFK, and say yes. And you can talk to Lolita and say yes. I just called the governor in support of 1257. Can we get that done, folks? So you get, you get the drill. I'm going to say it again. You call 916-445-2841. Call the governor on Senate Bill 1257. And afterwards, you call 818-985-5735 to say, yes, I called on behalf of the domestic workers' uh, rights, in this case, uh, the Cal OSHA protection. 
You know, Lolita, the story you just told is uh, both very moving and in some way very sad because the the home care workers see the humanity of the people that they're taking care of, but their families do not see the humanity of the home care worker, right? They would send her into a burning building. They won't go in. And then she, out of loyalty to the the uh, person with whom she's taking care of, or the patient, she was her life and gives her life, but they wouldn't give their life for a domestic worker, which goes back to why we need Senate Bill 1257 to just begin, you know, to create a culture of rights. You know, it's funny, white people, they have a tremendous sense of their rights. They even make up rights they don't have. You know what I mean? Whatever you tell them, no, I have a right to do this. I once saw this person, she was so loud online. I said, well, could you take it down a little bit? She says, I have the right under freedom of speech. I mean, the point is she just made it up. And the people who need the rights don't have the rights. And also, if you have the right, it changes your understanding that you have human rights. Don't you think? I mean, if you have some legal rights, it also changes your own consciousness that home care workers care very much about the people they're taking care of, but the people, their employers don't care the same about them. And the second point was that, do you think that when people feel more sense of legal rights, that can raise their self-esteem and their sense of more willingness to fight and more willingness to organize? Yeah, yeah, I think so. If you have legal rights, if we know that we are covered by the law, then uh, we really have to inform uh, the co-domestic workers and also educate the employers that this is our right and we need also to protect us as we also protect your loved ones. Well, thank you very much. It's been great to have you on the show. We, we said we're going to do about 20 minutes, but we did 44 minutes because we wanted to. Um Thank you very much for all you've given to the struggle. And, and also, how do people reach the Filipino Workers Center so they could learn more about your work? Yeah, so we are the Filipino Workers Center. Uh, we are part of the Coalition of Domestic Workers and the National Domestic Workers Alliance uh, nationally. And we are fighting and also uh, fight, fighting for the health and dignity of the domestic workers by uh, by including or fighting for the rights that we are not part of, like the workers' compensation, the right to, to have vacation. Uh, we already fought for the minimum wage by the six days sick leave in certain parts of California, uh, but there's uh, still a long way to go. Uh, OSHA protections we are now fighting, and hopefully... Uh, the next years would see us being also included so that our health and dignity and safety will also be protected. That is the Filipino Worker Center because most of our base are women, mothers, uh, uh, undocumented. Uh, and so we end up here in the U.S. as uh, home care workers or caregivers. So we just really have to fight for our rights. Thank you so much. It's great having you on the Voices from the Frontlines. Okay, is that okay? Thank you, Lolita Yedo. 
And uh, you yeah. can check out, you can go online and just look up Filipino Workers Center LA, and you'll find more about their work, and you can reach out to them. Thank you. I'm going to move on to another. Thank you. Take good care of yourself. So if, you, if you've called the governor at 916, then tie his number, but I want him to get tired, 445-2841. You can call up voices from the front lines, and we'll talk to you in a few minutes. I just want to make a couple other comments on the show today. Yes. Well, before you get there. Please, I, please. I, Thank I, you. I just had a burning thought, and I just— Good. Please, Jenny. I got to get it out that while I was listening to the whole conversation, I just kept thinking about the words of Frederick Douglass, the analysis of Frederick Douglass of the slave versus the slave owner and how you know he talks a lot during a lot of his writings about the slave— really observing the slave owner and really caring for the slave owner more than they ever will ever care for them or ever know themselves. And so, you know, it's it, during those times, there was this big uh, time of, uh, what do you call it, reconstruction. And I think that that's basically what this bill is talking about again, that, you know, you're talking about basic rights. I was just looking on my phone as having a fire extinguisher in the house, having protections in the house to be able to get out the house if something happens. And so, you know, they're they're doing, first of all, it's a luxury to have a home care worker for those wealthier families. And then for those that are sick, you know, it's their basic human rights. But, you know, the state has to do something for those workers, for those people that can't afford to take care of themselves. But even more than that, those people that are wealthy and live in those big mansions, you know, it is the same... It's not the exact same. It's not chattel slavery, but it's you know it's a step away from the same situation where people have no choice, basically. And so, yeah, and the way that thank you, Jane, and you no, know, just the the kind of feudal concept of as uh, Mother Lane was saying, people say, well, I don't I don't know, my worker doesn't have any problems. <laughs> that the employee speaks for the worker and just <laughs> assumes that they could uh, say that. Uh, Nancy, I want to have you for a minute. Thank you for calling. Did you call the governor? I did. And uh, the problem was, I don't know if a lot of people were calling at the time, but it was one of those recordings, and they said, well, all the callers, we will have a staff talk to you. But uh, right now, all the phones are busy. Bye. Thank you. Call again. So I will call again. I I want to say something. Lolita, I think it was the woman, there was a, a form and they were talking about the fires at Paradise, that terrible right, fire right. we had. And a lot of Filipino workers were working up there when that city burned down. A lot of retired people. A lot of those retired people, usually elderly people, were rescued by their Filipino workers. They had to take them to the hospital while their houses were being burned down. And that was when they lost their jobs, but they saved the lives of the people they were working for. I mean, such courage. You know, such courage. And... And it's just so painful because all these things are happening now with more and more fires, more climate chaos, and more disasters with the cobalt and everything. And the workers kind of, they're like on the front lines, the people who work at people's homes. And and this is a service economy because I totally support this bill. And I hope everybody gets out and calls up the governor Newsom and gets to work. Nancy, let me ask you a question. And when you called... Were, they, were you able to leave a message? No. That wow. Me up, hung up and 
Hung, hung, hung up and said, you know, they hung up. I didn't hang up. Oh, God. So that's bad. So the fact, because when I called, you know, I not only got a message, I got a person. Uh, all I'll do is tell our listeners, don't give up. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's less traffic at night. But this, you know, what Maria Elena was saying, and thank you, Nancy. You're always, really, you're really, uh, uh, you're great. And I have a Leanne coming in a minute. Um the thing is, Nancy, just thank you for all you caring. You know, whatever we have on the show, it's not just you care. You actually know something. And it just shows um, how much you think about other people and how many different causes you can even comprehend and care about. So great to work with you. You know, you're part of this. We know Nancy's part of the Strategy Center. She's part of many other social justice groups, but we like to claim her a lot. So keep up the good work, Nancy, and I'm going to take two other calls. Is that okay? Sure, that's fine. Thank you very much. All right. I'm going to take Leanne, and then I'm going to take uh, Annabelle. Hello? Is this Leanne from Hello. L.A.? Yes, it is. Hey, Leanne. What would you like to tell us on Voices from the Front Lines? My name is Leanne Hurst, sometimes known as Leanne Hurst Man. I'm a fan of the show, and um, I call the governor. And I just want to um, say that even if you get a recording, they count everything. So the recording is perfectly fine if you don't get a human on the other end. And I wanted to just call in and say, as Eric mentioned earlier, that I am an active member of an organization called Hand in Hand, which is a national organization of employers of domestic workers. And our sole purpose is to be basically warriors for caregivers. And um, Lolita was talking about through PWC how they have many workers working inside of um, facilities that actually not only don't provide health and safety, but they also are famous for wage theft. And PWC is just a champion organization in fighting these, what we call bad actor employers. So I wanted to just offer the perspective of what we call best practice employers. And we're out here and we want the 1257 to be signed and we want to receive the information. We want to know what the standards would be. It's very hard to be a good employer if you don't know what the actual outlines of your best practice should be. So that's why Hand in Hand is in board with Maria Elena. Well, thanks, Leanne. And, and we have the same last name. My name is Eric Mann, and obviously this is my wife, Leanne, and she's been very active in Hand in Hand, which is great. They work closely with National Domestic Workers Alliance, and these are employers who are trying to help set a standard. So after we hope after SB 1257 passes, what people don't know is there's so much work. A, a bill doesn't organize itself. It's just an option for organizers to use. And then all the work of bringing it into being is going to come, but that's somewhat of the fun part. So I think what you're saying, Leanne, is uh, armed with this bill, which becomes a law, uh, then the, the next step is to set very high standards. 
which I know you and I'll live up to, and then go out as warriors and fight for it. Exactly, and I just want to say to Lolita and any of the other caregivers who might be listening, how much love and passion I have for Zupe, who is my mother's caregiver. That's what makes me an employer. I employ a caregiver for my mother. And the sacrifice of those of you who are working through COVID, um, there's just no end to how much appreciation we have. So kudos to PwC for all the hard work. Thanks. Thanks, Leanne. You're on Voices from the Frontlines with Eric Mann. I want to make sure we get to Annabelle before we close. Hi. um, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to let y'all know that I also called the Governor Newsom's office and I was able to get through. I had to dial one for English. I mean, I had to leave a message. Uh, Then you dial six (laughs) to leave a, a, a message and then they give you the option to leave a recording, which I did. And I that you have to dial three. So first I dialed one, then six, then three to leave a recording. And I just wanted to thank you for bringing this bill to light. Um, you know, we have to protect our caregivers. I have, you know, family members who depend on caregivers and family members who are household domestic workers as well. So I want to thank you very much for bringing this to light. And then, um, you know, I'm also a member of uh, DSA. So there's any um, democratic socialist in the Inland Empire, please feel free to join us at IEDSA.org. But thank you so much for your show. Thank you very much, Joran. Voices from the front lines. Abel, tell a lot of your friends at DSA to listen more to Voices and to go on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. One last thought before we go. I think what the COVID is exposing, which is just unbelievable, is that at least for one-third of the people in the country, and, and probably more, but at least for one-third, which means 100 million people, by the way, over 100, it would be about 120 million people, Life is just complete hell and nothing works. Mm. So you have a wage theft and then you're shot by the police and then you're, if you're undocumented, again, this kid who was shot, I mean, they always, they're doing things now with expired licenses or whatever uh, Eric Garner was doing as, you know, passing a check or selling illegal, it doesn't matter. They just make up all these little BS laws, and then they arrest you for it, and then if you give them any trouble, they shoot you. Uh, But going back to SB 1257 as our punchline, it's so great to have something to do that's positive. Marielena Durazo came into Local 11 at the time when it was a Latino union with white leadership, and she's a woman, and she fought to be president and they stole the election from her once. She had to come back a second time and won. That was 1989. Here she is in 2020 fighting for SB 1257. And the person who just said, remember, there's a four, then a three, then a six, then a one. What she's saying is even when it comes to phone calls, you got to be an organizer and you have to be <laughs> dedicated to not give up, right? So thank you, D'Angelo Jones. Thank you, Channing Martinez. Any last second words? Nope, that's it. Go to voicesfromthefrontlines.com and sign up for our newsletter, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Much more than this, I did my way. Yes, regrets. <laughs>